are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Welcome to another episode of Call for Caring on Purpose podcast. My name is Michelle Bolden, and I'm your host as we journey through caregiving together. The goal of the Call for Caring on Purpose podcast is to educate, elevate, and empower caregivers during their caregiver journey. November is National Caregiver Month, and we want to extend a huge thank you to our family caregivers. We honor our family caregivers during our Atlanta Family Caregiver Expo, which is on Saturday, November the 20th. And we'll discuss more details during the second half of our conversation today. So we're going to go ahead and jump into our discussion. And again, as we're honoring our family caregivers, we want to start with a discussion focusing on self-care. And so mental and spiritual health is just as important as your physical health and needs the same amount of attention. To back that up with a few numbers, the the nationwide, um, a nationwide survey from the CDC about the types of mental health challenges people are facing during the pandemic found that nearly 31% of unpaid family caregivers reported seriously considering suicide in the preceding 30 days. Compared with 11% of the other adults taking the survey who were not caregivers. Unpaid family caregivers are also reporting having more symptoms of depression and anxiety and starting or increasing substance use to cope with the stress of COVID-19 on top of caring for loved ones. So this conversation is very timely. We talk a lot about self-care. And today I want to introduce our first guest as we focus on mental and spiritual health. Our first guest is Dr. Berkeley of Berkeley Medicine and Consulting. She is a board-certified psychiatrist. Welcome, Dr. Berkeley. Hello. Thank you uh, for having me on today. This is a very important topic. Absolutely. So can you start by sharing your background and your current work? Yeah, sure. So um, I am originally from the Caribbean. Um, Yeah, I was born in Guyana and I grew up in Barbados. I came to the States when I was um, for college. And um, my, I ended up staying. So I, after college, I went to medical school at Howard University uh, in DC. And then I did my residency in New York. And um, after that, I started doing uh, some work called locum tenens, which is kind of like they're traveling nurses. Mm-hmm. And so it's a traveling doctor type position. Um, so it allowed me to work in a lot of the different environments. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was very, um, it was interesting um, and it allowed me to learn a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, from, from different people. Um, so right now I have a very small private practice, Berkeley Medicine and Consulting, um, but I also do some contract work uh, in the community. 
Okay. Okay. Very good. Well, we're glad to have you and your variety of background, um, background experience that you can share with us today. Um, and so as we focus on the family caregiver, can you share with us maybe what are some mental health challenges that a family caregiver may face? Well, um, you, uh, in your introduction, you mentioned the major um, challenges that um, caregivers will face. Um, and you are so right on the money with that. Um, many times um, caregivers will um, be challenged with a bit of anxiety. Uh, of course, this is, you know, the result of just trying to juggle all the obligations that they are facing. Um, so they, of course, have their personal lives they are trying to keep up with. Many times caregivers are also working, so they're attempting to um, juggle a professional life. They may be parents, um, and so they're, they're trying to be good parents as well. Um, and then added on to it, they um, are attempting to take care of a loved one, which many times is a parent, but it can also be a child with, uh, with some uh, challenges that they need to um, help extra with. Um, so lots of obligations to juggle, um, financial concerns, um, and also just attempting to keep up with everyone's health. So just a lot of feeling overwhelmed and trying to figure out how to squeeze a million things into 24 hours. Right. Lots of anxiety. Yes. Um, uh, so what we also find, uh, you mentioned, is also that um, caregivers can also find themselves struggling with depression. Um, so uh, that can result from when you uh, are struggling to, when time is not your friend um, uh, and you're attempting to fit many things into a constricted time period, um, you tend to become a little bit isolated because your social um, outlets sort of fall by the wayside. Um, many times you sort of lose yourself in caregiving. So um, you're no longer focusing on yourself and your own pursuits. Um, so you lose that focus on yourself. There may be a bit of resentment that may build up and then a bit of guilt that comes after that mm -hmm. because um, you feel guilty about resenting um, having to care for um, someone else. So. Um, depression is something that we see very common for those reasons. And then uh, right behind all of that comes drugs and alcohol. How are you going to cope? Okay. So many times um, drugs and alcohol, they are accessible and it's what people know. And it usually will start off very small, very minor, a drink here and there in the evening to calm down. Um, many people uh, will also resort to smoking a bit of marijuana and then um, it becomes a daily thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, these are uh, some of the challenges that um, the caregivers can be faced with. And um, 
each of those, I can certainly understand how someone can get to that point. And as you first shared with the amount, the amount of juggling that you're trying to do. And so when you're juggling those amount of things and you want to give your best to everybody, at some point in time, you can only do so much. So somewhere you're going to come up short. And when you do, you begin to feel guilty about you not doing your best. Right, um, if the person you care for has a fall or they get an infection, you know, on your watch, so to speak, you, you feel bad about that. And so are you doing enough? Um, is it ever going to be enough? And so I can certainly understand those stats and all the things that um, you just mentioned that people can face um, because they're always just, they're just trying to do so much and you feel like you're handling it until a point where you just break or crack. Um, So it's just so important that we have our family caregivers to kind of be aware of their mental status and how they're feeling and feel okay that you're mad or upset or right. disappointed, it's okay to feel that way. We all yeah. have days that are not good. Um, you know, it's, you shouldn't really feel guilty about just, you know, I'm upset that I have to do this at this point. I want to be somewhere else right. because eventually you come back around to, you know, I was upset today. It was a bad day, but I know this is a blessing to be able to help my loved one. You come back around. And so mm-hmm. you don't want to live in that guilt and those negative vibes, that negative energy. So, um, and so, you know, there are organizations that particularly focus on, you know, family caregivers. And so um, many people offer support groups. Um, Can these groups be helpful for the family caregiver? Oh, yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, we all need support, all of us. and um, most of the time we have our personal support network uh, that's generally or friends or family or, or church groups and colleagues. Um, and they help us get through the day-to-day sort of roller coaster of life. But um, in addition to that, uh, when you become a caregiver, you are carrying a bit more stress than just the day-to-day roller coaster of life. So you may need um, some additional support um, to help you with that additional stress. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of times, um, depending on the uh, condition that your loved one has been diagnosed with, a lot of um, those conditions have organizations built around them where they have specific support groups uh, being offered. And those are really very helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, They are helpful because other people are going through similar um, situations to yourself. So one, it feels like you're not in this boat by yourself. So it's helpful for that reason. Mm -hmm. But also it's helpful because, again, a lot of... um, others in the support group would have been going through a lot of the things that um, you're going through. So it helps in terms of um, giving you suggestions in how to get through many of the um, day-to-day struggles that you have. So instead of you having to reinvent the wheel, somebody has probably already been through exactly that and found a very reasonable solution. So they are extremely helpful for that reason. 
Absolutely. And I so agree with that. When you look at certain um, support groups, you know, Alzheimer's and, um, you know, specific dementia organizations Mm -hmm. and, you know, American Heart Association and just so many groups that focus on those illnesses that can give you a lot of resources and provide so much education for your family. And when you know what you're doing and you feel like you have some knowledge about what's going on, that gives you power and control as well. So you're not so um, upset about not knowing things. And that, that kind of gives you some strength when you have some knowledge. Um, so we talked a little bit about support groups. When is it time for individual, individual counseling? Well, um, there's, it's always time for individual counseling. (laughs) Um, any, any time that you're wondering if you need individual counseling, I think that is, the time for it. Um, But certainly we can sort of overwhelm the supports that are already in place. We can overwhelm our personal support system where um, we are just calling on them so much. They also have stresses that they are going through. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we're calling on them more than they can deliver for us, sometimes we lose those friends. So we don't want to do that. We don't Mm want to call on them more than they are able to give us. Mm -hmm. Likewise, with um, support groups, uh, you don't want to be in a support group and monopolizing the Mm -hmm. support group. So um, these are good indications that you may need some time that is set aside for you individually um, to discuss some of the things that are going on. And um, also another time that you might want to, another indication that um, individual counseling may be helpful is if you feel like, if you find that you are not meeting obligations, you are starting to miss work, you're missing picking up the kids, you're missing, you just find that it's adding up. Mm -hmm. This is a good time to check in on someone and perhaps um, get some professional advice and Mm -hmm. stress relief. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, that's all good advice and certainly indicators, indicators that, that we need some individual assistance. And, you know, most people do counseling and I know in certain communities, often African-American communities that may be shunned upon, but I see that that's getting better because all of us need some assistance at some point of our life. And Mm -hmm. when we don't handle it properly, it comes out in negative ways. Um, You know, in intentional, in, in, unintentionally against a family member, a loved one, maybe the one that you're taking care of or against yourself. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's always good to have counseling that is no longer a taboo thing. Um, It's okay to talk to people and get some help and some guidance, or just to be able to get it out and allow for someone to listen. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and, you know, so when, when we're in the moment, sometimes, you know, we, we talked about the group, we talked about the individual counseling, but sometimes we're in the middle of a stressful event and it's just like, Ugh. and mm-hmm. so, you know, are there certain mental exercises or ju- just ways to check yourself that the family caregiver can do just to kind of support their mental health on a daily or weekly basis, even? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
sometimes uh, when we find ourselves in the middle of a stressful event, uh, one of the best things to do, if you can, is to uh, take a moment away, if you can. Sometimes that is not possible, but if you can just walk away and go get a few breaths of fresh air, then that is extremely helpful. Um, if you find yourself um, sort of uh, feeling overwhelmed and almost in a panic type situations, one of the, one of the uh, exercises that I teach is uh, the four, four, seven, it's a breathing exercise. Mm. Um, because when we get panicked, that is our body going into fight or flight. And so, you know, our heart rate uh, picks up, we start to get a little bit sweaty, or breathing quickens. A lot of those things are automatic responses. Uh, there is one of those things that is automatic, but also voluntary. And that is your breathing. Hmm. So by slowing down your breathing, we can't slow our heart down voluntarily. We can't stop ourselves from sweating voluntarily, but we can slow our breathing. So um, by doing that, um, we can help slow down the rest and prevent a full-on panic attack from coming on. And so um, if you wanted to do that with me uh, together, we can do that. Um, and the 447 exercise. And so what we're going to do, we're going to breathe in um, for four seconds, and then we will hold it for four seconds, and then we will breathe out for seven. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Right. Okay. So let's breathe in two, three, four, and hold two, three, four. And out, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Wonderful. Yes. So if we do that just a few times, that just slows everything down and we can sort of get back, um, get our mind back together, get our body back together and refocus on the task at hand. That is perfect. You know, that's less than a minute of just yes. breathing exercises that can really kind of help your mindset and slow you down. Yeah. Now, I did want to mention, though, um, one of the things that um, is even better, because that's an exercise that we do if we find ourselves um, in a stressful, in the middle of a stressful situation. What's even better is prevention. Mm. Yes. So. Uh, one of the things I love to encourage um, caregivers to do, and um, this always seems like an insurmountable task because it is requiring time and time again is like the biggest challenge, right, yes. for any caregiver. Yes. But it is so important because you spend so much time giving to others, you have to take some time out on a regular basis to do something for yourself. Any activity, whether that's reading, listening to music, going for a walk, mm -hmm. exercising, whatever it is. And on any sort of regular schedule, if you can do it daily, do it daily. If you can do it weekly, 
uh, do it weekly, at least once a month. Mm. I really rather even at least once a week, but I know time is of the essence, but this will help um, get through all of the other things. Um, so just taking some time for yourself, whether that's before you get started with your day and you just, you can meditate, do yoga, read a book for half an hour, mm -hmm. um, at, or it's at the end of your day after everything has come to an end, you've put everyone, you know, to bed and right. yes, just take some time for yourself regularly. Right. And hopefully that helps prevent. Yes, that. That is great advice. And, you know, even if you have to start with five minutes, just start, right? right and then just right. increase it to 30 if you can get there. But just just even five minutes is a good start. That's yes. great advice. You're right. So as caregivers, you know, we're always concerned about the person we're caring for. And so if we find that um, we are concerned about the mental health of a loved one, but they're refusing any type of counseling or assistance what actions can we take? Oh, well, uh, that, that is a difficult question, a difficult, and it's a scenario that many people run into very often, um, especially perhaps when dealing with a parent, um, because the parent is accustomed to being in control and you are the child. So um, that dynamic may be difficult. So, you know, what I encourage folks to do, of course, ideally, what we really want is to have our loved one buy into the fact that they may need some um, assistance. Mm -hmm. So we would want to educate them on um, maybe some of the things that we are seeing that are of concern. We want to bring that to their attention lovingly, uh, not in the midst of an argument. That's usually not the best time to, right. uh, yes, raise the suggestion of some additional help. Um, so just lovingly point out, you know, I noticed that maybe you haven't been sleeping that well, or um, I, you're not really finishing your meals or, you know, um, you're, you're taking a lot of extra naps in the day. So whatever it is that you notice that is of concern, bring it to them. And then you want to um, educate them as to what that may mean. So um, hopefully the caregiver maybe has some access to um, some internet resources um, or their physician that, or, or maybe they are in, um, in um, care themselves, um, seeing a mental health professional, and um, they can get some information as to what these may be signs or symptoms of, and then they can educate the loved one about what their concern may be. Right. I that, that's Right. And, you know, just your tone and the way you said it, if we could all do it that way, then everyone would listen to us. It was just so perfect. And so, um, but, you know, the, the tone and the volume that you deliver will allow people even to hear what you say as well. And so that's such a great point. The way that you deliver it is very yeah. important. And also sometimes who delivers, because 
because there may be a daughter or son who delivers it best and they listen to them in those instances. So you have to use your team and pick the right person who's going to best listen, um, listen to them to kind of make the difference that they may need at that time. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you're doing it as a team deciding that's decision. That's a decision that the entire team agrees upon that they may need some assistance and work to bring those solutions. When you mention the problem as well, I think it's really important. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people as, you know, the lot, the stats that were just mentioned kind of related to COVID-19, but we know that the family caregivers were having all of these issues before, but the pandemic just added on top of that. Um, how has the pandemic changed the way that you support your patients, families, or mo- most counselors are supporting their patients and families? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, there are some um, positive things that maybe have come out of um, or some alternative ways that we have found that may be useful uh, going forward um, it, that we had to resort to um, during this pandemic. But there are also some um, ways that the pandemic has made things a little bit more difficult. Um, of course, in-person visits uh, became null and void for some time. And then um, now we are getting back to them. But um, many patients um, and family members, uh, they enjoy the in-person visit. They miss the vibe um, of being in a room with someone else. And um, some people thrive on touch. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that is no longer available when we do not have um, in-person visits. Right. Another difficulty that came about, um, especially in our older patients and family members, is that we then had to resort to technology. Mm-hmm. Yes, but we know that technology can be a bit of a hurdle for older family members and patients. Um, So I did run into some of that with my older um, patients, but it just requires extra patience on the part of the doctor. So I know that I am going to see Mr. Smith and I know his age. So, um, and um, I'm being general uh, here. So this does not mean that, you know, everyone in the old, um, who is older is going to have difficulty right. with technology. But um, I did make that assumption to begin with, just so that um, I can make it easier for them. Okay. So um, instead of them calling into my appointment, which is what generally happens, I call them. Mm. So, um, but many of them then learned how to call in and um, yeah, it became a very smooth. Mm-hmm. And now that um, patients are more accustomed to the virtual appointment, they love it mm-hmm. um, because it's less interruption to their day. Right. Um, so um, they can call me sitting in their car at the grocery store. If they are on vacation, they can still call in for their right. appointment you know, which is not, which is something they would not have been able to do to make an in-person visit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can be more involved in their day-to-day. I get to see their environment. 
uh, a little bit more. So again, especially in my older or more isolated patients, I get to do a bit of a home visit. Um, wow. yeah. yeah, so I can see if they are, um, if their room is set up in such a way that there may be fall risks that are, you know, evident to me, or the lighting is not great, which again, puts them at risk for fall, etc. So mm -hmm. um, yes, that, that wow. has, yes. So, so there are some good that, things that are right. coming out of this, right? <laughs> I hesitate to say positive, yeah. but there are some things. Yeah, that, there are some good things that come out of that. Because like you yeah. said, you get to do the home environment and lighting and the way things are set up can also change your mood. So Absolutely. that's um, very, very interesting, true. right? Mm -hmm. Well, I, you have given such great information and I'm just excited for people to hear this and just, if nothing else, take away you know, the four, four, seven breathing. I mean, yeah. that's just the start there and then just get that time for yourself and the importance of, you know, when you talk about support groups, it may not have to be a formal group, but just that personal support of neighbors and friends, et cetera. And, but we don't want to weigh them down, but we don't, we do want to use them when they ask for, um, to help. Right. And so we want to use that support. Um, so as we wrap up, what are two actions you recommend our family caregivers take immediately after, after listening to the podcast? Hmm. Um, I would say um, probably the two things I would like for caregivers uh, to do uh, right away. Uh, the first one would be commit to taking that time for yourself. Commit to it. Uh, you are, time is definitely of the essence. Uh, you are giving so much to everyone else around you in order for you to be the best caregiver that you can be and to give back to yourself. You need to have some time for yourself and nurture yourself. Right. So first thing would be commit to take in that time for yourself, regular time for yourself. Um, and then the other thing I would um, say, I would ask for caregivers to do is again, um, with the concept of the fact that you can lose yourself in becoming a caregiver, I really want caregivers to refocus on themselves. That's really what I'm asking refocus on yourself. So you had goals before you became a caregiver. I want us to get back to that. Right. Get back to setting some personal goals, personal. So related to you, um, a one-year goal, a three-year goal, a five-year mm -hmm. goal. Um, goals that are about you and that you then um, attempt to move towards. That's it. Right. Just don't forget yourself. Right. That's wow. That, that is great. Just keeping your self identity. Yeah. And, you know, once you stop caring for that person, whether they go into facility or they transition, mm -hmm. um, what's left for you. And sometimes Absolutely. that can make that tra their transition tougher for you when it's always been about them and you, you haven't really done anything for yourself. And yeah. so that, oh, those are such great 
recommendations and actions to take to, for them to take. So thank you very much. Um, and so now I'm going to ask about, are there any websites, phone numbers, social media, et cetera, that you recommend that the caregivers visit or follow? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so I would say that, um, of course, we mentioned earlier that um, many times the condition that your loved one is diagnosed with that uh, condition may have a support group around it. So it's good to check on that because as we mentioned earlier, a good source of resources and um, relieving stress specific to that um, condition. So Alzheimer's Association, um, whether it's um, multiple sclerosis or, you know, the Cancer Society, whatever, um, look for that group and see if that is available. Um, I would also recommend the Black Psychiatrists of America. Mm -hmm. um, and their website is blackpsychiatrist.org. And so psychiatrist is P-S-Y-C-H-I-A-T-R-I-S-T-S dot org. So there's an S on the end of that. Um, Global Health Psychiatry is also a group of uh, Black psychiatrists who are focused on um, helping uh, people understand mental health and um, helping them to get better. In fact, I should probably mention that um, I have been a part of that group and we have authored a few books. Mm. Um, so uh, those books are some resources um, to that individuals can go to to learn a bit more about um, mental health conditions and how to get help. I can mention those in a little okay. while. Um, NAMI is another great organization, N-A-M-I, National Alliance for Mental Illness, and their website would be nami.org. Um, another great website if someone is um, in crisis and you, and you are concerned about suicide, um, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline um, is a resource that you can call. And that phone number is 800-273-8255. Wonderful. So can, I'm going to ask you to repeat that number again. So if people understand that if they're in crisis and they want to talk to someone, um, if you could repeat that number one more time. Absolutely. So National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, you're so right. That is such an important number. 800-273-8255. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Berkeley, for all the great information that you have just shared. And I'm, I know and I'm hoping that this information can direct some of our listeners to sources where they, that can help them immediately and get the support that they need. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on to uh, discuss this very important topic and to help support these great people in our community. Absolutely. So after our sponsor break, we'll talk a little bit about self-care and uh, spiritual health as well with Impact Church. So we'll be right back. Call for Caring in partnership with Impact Church presents 
the 2021 Atlanta Family Caregivers Expo on Saturday, November 20th, 2021 from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. The event will be held outdoors in the Impact Courtyard to ensure the environment complies with all CDC guidelines. Attendees may also participate via Zoom and Facebook Live. The Atlanta Family Caregivers Expo is a great opportunity for family caregivers to find the resources they need to ensure a quality of life for their loved ones and themselves, including COVID-19 testing and vaccinations, flu vaccines, blood pressure and glucose screenings, speaker series, one-on-one consultations regarding caregiving issues, raffles, care scholarships, and much, much more. This year, we will offer complimentary companion care for your loved ones. Space is limited, so register early. You can register today at callforcaring.org. Thank you to our gold sponsors, Home Helpers of North Atlanta, Impact Church of the United Methodist Church, North Georgia District, AARP Georgia, Cigna Medicare, and Pruitt Health. Thank you to our sponsor, Call for Caring, who's presenting the Atlanta Family Caregiver Expo in partnership with Impact Church. So our next guest is from Impact Church, Pastor Eddie Bridgman, known as Pastor Eddie, and we want to welcome Pastor Eddie. Uh, Thank you, Michelle. I'm so happy to be here with you and excited uh, for your podcast. Well, thank you. And we're excited to have you. So can you talk a little bit about your background and your current work? Okay. Um, This is my 30th year. Well, I should say next year would be my 30th year. It feels like it's been more. This is my (laughs) 30th year in ministry. Uh, I am the care pastor at Impact Church uh, in uh, East Point, Georgia. And of course, we pride ourselves on the motto of doing church differently. And what that really means is doing church outside of what the norms say we should. And so we stretch ourselves out of our our four walls into the community, uh, reaching people right where they are. No judgment, no condemnation, but reaching you right where you are and ministering there. Absolutely. And that's definitely the feel that you get when you walk into the doors of impact or better yet, when you walk into the grounds of impact, because it starts as you enter the parking lot. Right. And so it's a feeling of warmth and welcoming there. And so everyone is welcoming. That's one thing I love about our community there. Um, So as the care pastor, you've been involved in a lot lot of caring here lately, but let's talk a little bit particularly about the challenges for the family caregivers um, that you may hear about or support people in, and how does impact or maybe generally a faith-based community kind of help support the family caregiver? Well, thank you. That's that's a very good question. And I like the way you started by saying, surely we've done a lot of care over this last near two years now. Uh, you know, I often say that, you know, we, we uh, pigeonhole the pandemic 
to COVID-19, but the reality is that a lot of the care that we give are to individuals who have been in pandemics for much longer, mm-hmm. uh, some uh, for a lifetime even, because a caregiver, what I've found is that caregivers um, didn't just come on the scene when people started getting sick two years ago, a year and a half or more ago, but some of them have been struggling with mental health, physical health, uh, caring for an elderly parent or caring for a sick or challenged uh, child, loved one, i.e. a spouse like that. And so uh, impact, we pride ourselves on meeting every need within the the family unit, especially when we look at caregivers. We have young people who, you know, unwed mothers uh, who find themselves uh, maybe pregnant again and needing more than just the family dynamic, but needing uh, the village to come alongside. We pride ourselves on being that village. So whether you are a caregiver, as I said, uh, with some of the more common categories or a caregiver outside of the norm, caregiving for a young person who may uh, come to school and don't have food to eat or clothes to wear, things of this nature. Caregiving is such a large umbrella and it it does frustrate me, Michelle, sometimes I got to tell you when we pigeonhole people into those, those commonly known scenarios when it is so much more than that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a caregiver is definitely dynamic because we can't uh, determine what the relationship, I mean, it could be taking care of a neighbor who's just helping you out for a lifetime. And so there is no true definition of a caregiver. We all define it differently, but we do need to be able to identify for ourselves that we are caring for others. Because if we say, I'm not a real caregiver, I just take them to the doctor, I just take them, pick up their prescriptions, then you're not identifying that you're taking on extra tasks, you're doing on extra things, and you don't give a chance, get a chance for you to step back and be able to take care of yourself. And so that's what we want people to recognize um, that you are a caregiver and it's a blessing that you're able to do it, but all you have to also be able to take care of yourself. And that's this whole premise around why we're focusing on the family caregiver, whatever they may be in, in their life cycle and whatever age, because as you mentioned, it could be a young mother, it could be someone who's a senior. And sometimes we have our very young people taking care of their older parents. And so we have to look at an entire generation and not focus our minds so much on what a caregiver looks like because yeah. they have different faces, different That's ages. Right. That's right. right. That's right. And, and interesting enough, we have found that this, and I, I, I hate to keep saying pandemic because it, it does kind of limit, you know, the, the challenges that we face. But during these last two and a half years, Michelle, we have seen people who normally could manage being caregivers and their other responsibilities. Mm-hmm. But this time of pressure and stress and anxiety have brought out a whole new dynamic of heaviness on the caregiver. Imagine, if you will, a caregiver who, yes, they were somewhat isolated uh, prior to two years ago, but having to go through the isolation and them being the only person that their loved one either sees, touch, you know, can talk with, things like that. And now that pressure 
is coming out in so many different ways. You know, you've heard that old saying that pressure will, will burst a water pipe. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a fact. We're seeing the caregivers and individuals who didn't see themselves as caregivers under tremendous amount of pressure, and it is exploding. Right. Uh, it explodes in a number of different ways. If you don't address the stress, you're going to project the stress. In other words, if uh, a caregiver don't see themselves as having these pressures or even see themselves as a caregiver, they more than likely would then begin to project their stresses on the person they're caring for and even people that are trying to help them. And that's what we try to address. Absolutely. And so we just talked about a little bit of the challenges that are there for the family caregivers. So can you share any programs or support that you get that you offer these family caregivers during this time of stress or just routinely so that they don't get to that boiling point or popping point? Yeah, we we have a number of of, um, opportunities to receive care from Impact Church. Uh, one of the ways, if uh, we, we started this program in partnership with um, the Cancer Treatment Center of America for those caregivers and patients that are going through the cancer journey. And so we meet uh, periodically to give them a space to release and to receive. That's for cancer related. Mm-hmm. We have uh, uh, care support groups. These support groups uh, uh meet the needs of those that might be going through separation, divorce, or relationship issues. We have a care group and support group that is designed for college-age students uh, that found themselves last year not having a place to live because colleges and college campuses were closed. And so we meet that need. We have uh, a care support group for teachers it's interesting, this, this, this whole dynamic of teachers. We expect teachers to care for our children, but who cares for those type of caregivers? Right. Then we have caregivers for first responders and those that are in the medical field. All of these are not necessarily clinical in, its, um, uh, 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 in, in how we process it, but it is both clinical and practical. And so for caregivers, my wife, Natasha, is a, is a medical professional. Mm-hmm. And so um, while we do promote having therapy and therapists, I think it is important for those of us that are not on the front line, as they, you know, this coined word front line, uh, to understand that the pressures and the stresses that the medical professionals have been under over the last two and a half years uh, the average person would have given in and given up. Um, then we also have um, uh, care groups that is in partnership with Silence to Shame. As you know, Silence to Shame is one of those organizations that deal with uh, mental challenges that lead to suicide and or um, you know death by suicide, unfortunately. Uh, And so we try to meet those needs before it gets to a manic state. And so, you know, I can go on and talk about how many ways we address the need and care needs. And I tell you this, uh, this is uh, one of the more important ones that oftentimes go under the radar. Self-care, you know, for those those that are working 
uh, in fields that are high stress. We try to provide a place where you recognize the need for self-care and then opportunities to address those needs. I think mm-hmm. that that's one area that often is missed. And, you know, one of the things that when I, when I think about the family caregiver, um, I always think about the care nights that are kind of has include some of those things you talk about, but then there are just care nights where you just ask people just to come and just sit, be heard and just pray and be with someone. And I think that's important for the family caregiver. And you've also had nights that were specific for the family caregiver in which we've actually done education, particularly for them. So I know there are those opportunities um, as part of your care nights um, that you do as well. That's right. That's right. We have those. uh, We were doing them once a month, but obviously with us having social distancing and certainly some isolations and uh, with the pandemic itself, we've had to cut that back. And so uh, we now do them once a quarter. Uh, and they are Zoom. They're open to the public at large. You don't have to be a member of Impact Church or a church at all. They're open. They're Zoom Zoom meetings, if you will. Um, But I'm glad you mentioned care nights because since we have not been doing them on a monthly basis, what we try to do as a care team is on Sundays, we have a prayer cove or a care cove and a care tent. And so if we have a parishioner or a visitor that comes in with some heaviness and they just need to not necessarily be in church, but be with someone that has a listening ear, a praying heart, and certainly a giving heart, uh, we, we offer those type of opportunities on a weekly basis at Impact Church. And, you know, I do want to mention your other weekly, uh, just thinking about the, the caregiver, when you just sometimes you just need to. Um, a minute of prayer. And so you're three days a week, um, you know, morning prayer, afternoon or evening, depending on which day you select. um, It's another uh, is another opportunity for some spiritual healing and release um, to be able to do that on a weekly basis. Right. Yeah, Michelle, it's it, that that's a big thing too, and we do we do it four times. I, I, we do we, <laughs> just want to drop that in there. Uh, we have Monday evenings at eight p.m., uh, Wednesday morning at seven a.m. Uh, typically, that's an intercessory prayer. So, if you have people or we have individuals that want to intercede for others, not necessarily having a need of their own, but just need someone to stand in agreement with them regarding something, that's at Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Then we have a Wednesday noonday prayer. Uh, we also then have a Friday morning 7 a.m. Uh, prayer, and these all are open to the public, and you get more information on that at uh, www.impactdcd.org. That's right, and it's just a Zoom call. It's just a yeah. Zoom, yeah. and so we talked a little bit about the pandemic, so let's just kind of talk directly about how the pandemic has changed how you all operate wow. as an organization, because Often when you think of church, you always think about a building. And to me, Impact has never really been a building. So it was less of an adjustment for you all because it's always been about the community and not just the building. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you you asked that question uh, because Impact is not your typical church that meet on Sundays and Wednesday night Bible study. We have... Uh, always passion or have uh, fashioned ourselves to with our small groups, 
these small groups are like uh, your, your, your customary Bible studies, but they meet all over the city. We meet all over the city. You may have a group that meet at the library. You might have a group that meet at Starbucks and, you know, whatever uh, the, the need is, we try to address that. Impact, um, yeah, we, like most other churches, did close our doors uh, during the height of the pandemic, um, I, I, I hate to say season, but lack of a better word, season. Um, but our, we, we adjusted very well because we were online prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we offered three uh, worship experiences or worship services, uh, 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and 12. Uh, and we are a worldwide um, uh, uh, church congregation. And so we've always had an online presence. We have uh, all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, certainly YouTube. And so we were able to pivot very easily into the virtual space. And while that virtual space was, you know, convoluted with a whole lot of other things that could uh, distract folk, we found that having your traditional worship experience, praise and worship, hour of prayer, and then the word of God uh, made it very easy for us to uh, compete in the dynamic of the virtual space. And we only have our worship experiences uh, from you know, the time that we started in, in 2007 to now has always been a one hour worship experience, which is attractive to a lot of people because it gives you an opportunity to do some other things with the family on your weekends. And so we were able to pivot very well. Since then, I mean, during the pandemic, we also had drive-in experiences where people could drive up with their cars, uh, tune into a particular radio station, Mm-hmm. which was the impact radio station. And we had the big screens outside. And so we had church in the parking lot as you would in the old fashioned drive-in style. And it was absolutely amazing. We did not see like most churches, a big fall off uh, from attendance because of the pandemic. Yes, in person we did, but online and the drive-in experience helped us to mitigate some of those types of losses. Right. Wow. And so even with, um, you know, the pandemic and us limiting things, um, we continue to do, we as you impact continue to do um, community services with the Thanksgiving dinners, with the, you know, the lunches for the children, all of that continue to go on with volunteers who were masked and et cetera. So it's it's good to know that, um, you know, while it's changed how we do things, things are still being done. And so people should not feel like, um, you know, people are short on staff. They're not going to have enough time just to reach out. Uh, even, okay. even the prayer calls during the week can help and then motivate you to take another step to something else. So I just want our caregivers, as I say all the time, you're not alone. There's opportunity, okay. whether you're a member or not. Um, people are concerned about your physical, mental, and your spiritual health. And so you can get those things um, if you just reach out to most faith-based communities who will be able to do that for you. And so, Pastor Eddie, before we get into our last discussion about the expo, um, can you share two actions that you recommend that a family caregiver takes immediately after listening to this podcast? Great question. Um, One of the things that I would encourage everyone on the line to do is self-care. 
self-care can, you know, oftentimes when you think about uh, self-care in the old sense, you would say, well, I want to take myself out to the movies or something of that nature that uh, now is not as safe as it used to be. Here's what I would say. Find a time in every day. Start out with 15 minutes, 15 minutes of uh, serenity. In a, you know, whether it's in your bedroom, whether it's in the kitchen, whether it's in the backyard, whether it's going for a walk, but you're uh, disconnecting from the phone, from the television and all these things just for 15 minutes. I personally do one hour every day. And I know uh, often the impactors and church members say, well, Pastor, we can never reach you at six o'clock. Well, from six o'clock to seven o'clock is my personal time with the creator. And so however you do it, find a time to be very intentional about self-care. You can do this without any money. You don't need a car to do it. You don't even, you, you really don't even need a, a building or a house. You can just sit outside. I often just go outside and uh, stare at the leaves on the trees. And, and I wonder, well, God, why did that leaf fall and that one didn't? And it'll take up a whole hour and you just, you know, the time really flies. It's really healthy. That's number one. Number two, if you don't already have a therapist, I, 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 strongly suggest that every individual have somebody that they can release the burden of being a caregiver to. You have healthcare professionals, both psychologists and psychiatrists that offer uh, discounts and even free services to caregivers. And if you need more information about that, we'll talk about how you can get some of that at the end of this uh, podcast. Well, actually, let's just go ahead and jump into that right now. So how can they get in touch with you or uh, Impact Church for additional information of some of those things that you mentioned today? So let's just start there. The quickest way and most direct way to reach me and to reach Impact Church, if you find yourself in need of care, especially if you're having a manic moment or panic moment, um, is to go to our website, www impact, I-M-P-A-C-T, D is in David, C is in Charlie, D is in David, dot org. And on there, you'll see a, a button that you can click that says prayer requests. Once you click that button, you can literally type in whatever the need is, even if you just need a call back, even if you want someone to pray with you, you have a concern that you want to share on there, it comes directly to me. And then I um, uh, disperse it to other care team members. But if you want to reach me, that's the quickest way. I don't mind people calling me directly on uh, my pastor line. And I'll give that. It's 470-451-6706. I answer that phone all day long, except 6 to 7 p.m. because <laughs> I'm caring for myself at that time. That's but right. uh, Impact Church is right here in East Point, Georgia, 2323 Sylvan Road, East Point, Georgia, 30344. So you, if you're in the neighborhood or even if you need to be, uh, you need assistance in getting to the church, we have vans that we do send out to the college campuses. We can send vans over to your home, help you get to the church. And when I say get to the church, I don't mean the building. I mean the organization, the body of Christ, which is the church of Christ. 
Thank you, Pastor Eddie. That's awesome. And, you know, so let's jump in as we talk about um, caring for others. Um, This month, November is National Family Caregiver Month. Yes. And so this is why we choose to do the Family Caregiver Expo in November in honor of our awesome family caregivers that we have talked about during this podcast um, over the last 10 weeks or so. And so we're excited to come to the point where we've been talking about this Family Caregiver Expo that'll be coming up really soon. Saturday, November the 20th, starting at 10 a.m. at the campus of Impact Church. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we do want to talk a little bit about the event. And so um, this expo was created through our nonprofit Call for Caring to give families resources, because as I communicated with families um, on a daily and weekly basis, I found there was a void of them knowing where to go, what to do, how to do it, and too often how to pay for it, right? And so when people walk into this uh, world of family caregiving, it's not by choice. I'm required to be here because I have to do something for a loved one, a friend, the community, right? And so um, we're not always in a planned position. And so one thing that we want to do through this expo is to give you the the, um, tools to begin to plan for where you are in your current journey, where you can plan for yourself, to give you resources for where you are in your current journey. That's education, that's speakers, um, but to also do that self-care that Pastor Eddie talked about. That's one of our primary goals is to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And so we do that through multiple things of screening as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Impact is partnering with us this year to be able to do that. We're having it on their campus. We're also doing the virtual aspect because we understand people are still very cautious and may not be able to attend. Um, This year, what we're doing a little bit differently as well is that we're offering some complimentary companion care for some of those who have to bring their loved ones with them. And so it's on a limited basis, but we are starting that because we do want people to come out and to be able to do that, but we want you to stay safe. And so we're really keeping in mind about the COVID precautions and guidelines and et cetera. So Pastor Eddie, can you tell me maybe some of the most impactful memories you had at your last Family Caregiver Expo? Michelle, Michelle, Michelle. Let me tell you, um, uh, two years ago, or three years ago, two years ago, my first one was three years ago, but then I I really got to experience it two years ago, 2019. Um, Let me say this before I give you my my experience. Um, This is one of the most gratifying partnerships that a care pastor, as I myself, um, has, that I've ventured into. Why? Because I don't believe in a time like now or these, um, we have to reinvent the wheel. Collaboration and partnerships with those who are experts in the areas. As pastors, we often are being given the onus of knowing everything. It's just not true. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, Albert Einstein said, uh, being a genius doesn't mean I know everything, but I know who to call when I need it. That's right. 
in this case, uh, we called on call for caring because we saw the need. And this is not our first partnership with you, but it is a very gratifying and fulfilling uh, partnership because it meets the need of the here and the now, the contemporary, what uh, our caregivers and loved ones really need in this moment. And so uh, my most uh, uh, memorable experience and, quite frankly, uh, my most exciting experience was the virtual experience I had um, uh, uh, at the uh, previous uh, um, uh, family care, family caregivers expo in 2019. I went in, yes, as a pastor, you know, and saying, you know, this is really great. We're going to have a lot of people come out. But I didn't know, Michelle, how ignorant I really was concerning those that are going through dementia and Alzheimer's experiences or journeys. And so <clears throat> That uh, expo had this amazing room. I went in there thinking, okay, I'm just going to see how, you know, what happens when someone has Alzheimer's or um, dementia. And I was blindfolded. I was uh, had these headphones on. So no Pastor, Adam, we can't get, we can't tell them the details because then they want they they can't get the oh, full experience. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, if you really want to know and experience something exciting, educational, fulfilling, and it will literally change your mind about what dementia and Alzheimer's patients really experience. Go to that. Yeah. Experience. It was life-changing for me. I don't look at people who are suffering or have challenges in those areas the same anymore. And so that- Caregiver Expo blew my mind. Yes. In a great and way. That, a absolutely. And, you know, people come away from that experience. Each kind of experience is something a little bit different, but very emotional. And I definitely think it's a life-changing yes. experience for you. Um, even if you know someone dementia, you can get a feel for that. And so that is offered by Second Wind Dreams. And they are one That's of our right. um, vendors there who are at, are at the Expo. So we're excited. Um that we have them there to be able to share that. And so as you kind of mentioned about the collaboration, and that's one of the things that I think is great about the Family Caregiver Expo, because the vendors who are there are really community people who want to make this experience better and care for the Family Caregiver Expo. They're not there just to sell things or sell products, but they want to make an impact in your life. And so we call it a community because at the beginning of our meeting, we come together as a community and talk about what we all do. So when our attendees come to this event, we know that there could be someone that can, I can't help you, but someone else can, and I'll tell you where to go. And so it really is a goal to make a community feel and to also treat and uplift the family caregivers. So we want you to be able to get, uh, you know, a massage, a mini manicure, you know, right. make sure you have your flu vaccines, make sure your medications are checked, that you're taking the right things as well. So we want to be able to um, give that to the family caregiver. And the benefit of this as well, is that 
the virtual audience can see that. So even though we're in Georgia and it's based here, the family caregiver has the same general challenges regardless of where you are in the state. And so as we recognize our family caregivers, we want you to know whether you're virtual or there, you will get something from this event. And so as we celebrate, celebrate, I certainly want just want to take a minute to celebrate my own personal family caregivers, my two sisters. They do an awesome job with our dad, um, just outstanding. Yeah, and yes, I just, yeah. I, I'm just so blessed to have them in our life that we go through a team approach um, and it's just a blessing. But I know that people who are listening have a family caregiver in their life. And so please share this information with them. But also remember to celebrate them uh, during the month of November, maybe send them a thank you card or just a note or drop off some flowers um, or bag of groceries and just think about them. Give them a spa day like uh, Family Caregivers Expo. Give them a moment to just be at rest. Absolutely. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes, give them that respite care just for the family expo so they can go and enjoy or to even listen online, right? So, exactly. um, yeah. but Pastor Eddie, I want to thank you so much for being here and Impact Church for partnering with us for the Family Caregiver Expo. We so appreciate you. It is our pleasure. We look forward to it in a couple of more days. It's going to be right up on us. We are excited. Uh, the entire team is excited. And, and again, This is a family day. And so if you have individuals in your family, uh, as Michelle said, that have given their all to make sure your loved ones is safe and and is cared for, come out with them so that you can be educated and even gain some information about how you can better care for the caregiver. Thank you, Michelle, for having me. I am so excited. Uh, you know, I'm about to explode. I'm about to jump out of this chair. <laughs> I'm excited for what is coming Awesome. Up. Thank you. Thank you. And so, again, if you want to find out more information or register for the expo, there's still time. You can go to callforcaring.org. Um, again, that's callforcaring.org and register. Um, the Call for Caring podcast is part of the Finding Your Forte Um channel on up to me radio at www.uptomeradio.com it can be heard via podcast apple podcast spotify google podcasts and now amazon music so we hope today's episode of call for caring on purpose has met our goal to educate elevate and empower caregivers during their caregiver journey thank you oh.